Mamma Mia Book Club is brought to you by BWS. Cheers. Okay, a warning ahead of this episode. There are going to be adult themes because Maestra by L.S. Hilton is a very sexy book. All right, ladies. Art theft. A femme fatale. Wealth and status. Class and sex. It's Maestra by L.S. Hilton, a book sold for a seven-figure advance that already has a Hollywood script in development. But is this sexy crime thriller just Fifty Shades of Grey meets the goldfinch but not in a good way? Welcome to the Mamma Mia Book Club. I'm Monique Bowley and I'm joined as always by author, a woman who just rolled her eyes, Jackie Lunn. Oh, hello. Thanks for that. Appreciate it, Mons. (laughs) And today joining us in the club is Zoe Rochford, who's a writer here at Mamma Mia. Hello, everybody. Welcome, Zoe. Today we're going to talk about self-serving female characters and why they rile so many readers up. Was the graphic sex in this novel completely pointless or did it reveal something about Judith and how her character challenges conventional expectations for women and also all the themes of class and lifestyles of the rich and famous? Plus, whether we loved it, or whether we want to shove it. This book was hyped as the most shocking thriller of the year. Jackie, no. did it live up to the hype? No, there wasn't enough sex for a start. I was thinking, okay, an erotic thriller, you might have a lot of sex. In the first three quarters, there was like two or three sex scenes. In the last quarter, it steamed up a bit. But for me, the sex was just, I mean, I didn't sort of get excited or anything, but I was sort of reading it going, oh, this is pretty perfunctionary and it's, it was kind of really hard sex. It, did, it, it wasn't erotic to me at all. It was, um, it was like, I've got to shock everybody and she'll do this, but I didn't find any eroticism oh, in that sex. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, spoiler alert, there's going to be spoilers in this episode oh. and also there's going to be very adult content because yes. this is a sexy thriller. Now, we need to talk about the sex yeah. because I feel like it detracted from the book and I don't think it served any purpose and I thought it was a bit of BS. I think L.S. Hilted only did it to be shocking and to play into that Fifty Shades of Grey market. Oh, look, I absolutely agree with that and um, I don't know if anyone here has read a book by Sarah Waters called um, Tipping the Velvet, which was it's a, um, a novel where there's a lot of sex and a lot of lesbian sex and it was really integral to the book. It's actually set in Victoria. It's a historical novel set in Victorian times, 1890s. Brilliant sex scenes in it, like really good and really important for the novel. This didn't explain her character. It didn't develop the plot. It didn't just give me any cheap thrills anyway. So I I just sort of kept reading it going, it's almost like a paint by numbers. I'm going to, you know, we've done Gone Girl. Gone Girl was great, had a psychopathic, you know, sociopath, sorry, with a a sexual appetite. And here we go. Let's do the same thing, but let's sort of up the ante about the sexual appetite. But I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it, it didn't hit me like that. It didn't work for me. The book starts with a bang like that, literally. It yeah. wants to shock you. Uh, why do you think the author started with such a graphic I'll to hook you in because, you know, you go into a bookshop and you open up the first pages and you go, oh, uh, and you've got a orgy sex scene first, which then we don't discover till three quarters of the way through is actually comes three quarters of the way through. She's just put that sex scene or part of that sex scene at the beginning of the book. So sort of to get you in, I, I would say. But I thought the sex, you know, um, I thought the sex, it, it didn't thrill me. 
I didn't think there was enough of it at the beginning to be an erotic thriller. It, there was a bit of it at the end, towards the end. But it, to me, um, it did. It was perfunctionary almost. It was like um, sex by numbers. It was like, okay, let's have an orgy. Let's have a bit of, you know, wild sort of European wealth orgy stuff happening over here. And, and I, it didn't make me feel anything other than, okay, what's going on? And, you know, I, I this, yeah, it didn't. The sex didn't turn me on. Yeah, look, it didn't turn me on either. And I have to say, compared to a book like Fifty Shades of Grey, which I don't think was as well written as this book, but at least it sort of really focused in on the sex. I felt like it gave, you know, readers a little bit of variety in terms of what to look for. For me, this book felt like somebody had taken... Fifty Shades of Grey, okay, we know that was really good. That did really well. We'll take some some sex and then something like Gone Girl, which people are also really into, and sort of mushed them together but sort of done neither of them really successfully. I don't think the sex was really sexy enough and I don't think the thrills were really thrilly enough. So it sort of just felt a bit flat on both of those points. But wouldn't you think that the kind of sex that she was having kind of informs her character a little bit in that it's quite detached? Yes. And it's about the act too. I mean, most erotica to me, there's a build-up. The whole thing is not actually penetration. You know what I mean? The whole thing is there's a lot of other things going on and then that act is... I mean, if I can be so bold, that's the th- that's the end point. Mm. But there wasn't a lot of lead up. It was, the act of actual sort of penetration was a big part of the sex, which I I find is a real male gaze sex thing, yeah, not a true. female gaze. So, and perhaps it is a good part of the character because she was very male in that respect. You know, I, I don't know many women who. The way, she, yes, I was going to say yeah. something really disturbing. No, about but it sex. certainly didn't play to any of my like sexual fantasies. No. Like I read about her, there was one scene where she had two guys sort of penetrating oh. her alternately, and I was like, "Ooh, that doesn't sound fun. It just sounds not a bit much." Understand how that bit worked? Yes, I had to do a little architectural drawing <laughs> in my that. head to work out a few of the positions. But again, I just came back to the point where I thought. You know, they've done studies on women. A lot women like the lead up to sex. I like the erotica to them is not just the act, and uh, there was a lot of it just being the act. And I, that's where I thought, oh, this is a bit funny because I'm not, I'm not kind of going, oh wow, this is nice. I just kind of went, oh, okay, we've got another sex scene here. It's kind of clinical in a way, but I don't feel like the sex theme scenes added anything to the book. I think they could have been left out, and it would have been mm. just as strong as a book. And I almost wonder if it was her publisher just on the phone going, just whack a few of these in. Yeah, like the people, the kids crazy. are going crazy for it. I think that's happened since Gone Girl. I agree with you. It's like Gone Girl was a big success. We had this, you know, female character who was sociopathic, plus had this sort of bit of a sex dirty thing happening here. And, you know, and, and everyone's gone since then. The amount of Gone Girl esque books that have come oh. on the market flooded the market since then. But surely we're at the end of that kind of thing because. You know, I really like Gone Girl, so I act, I really like that book. And um, but this one, yeah, I just I, I'm like you. I thought the sex scenes were quite sort of they didn't add anything to it. And I don't think a sex scene has to add anything to it, but it can make you feel as you're reading mm. a book. It can actually make you feel. So it for me, it didn't add anything, and then it didn't make me feel. So therefore, I'm going well. What's its point? I was more thrilled by her constant mention of. Uh, designer clothes and oh, shoes and the that. obsession with this status and the way she dressed and the wealth involved and that was the part that I found really pervy and I loved that. 
Yeah, it was like a little goop catalogue crossed with a Vogue <laughs> magazine. You know, we, we knew everything. We knew from her Chanel flats to her Longvin tote oh, to we the... we basically knew what underwear she was wearing. Like, we just knew, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty pervy. But like you said, Mons, I found that more interesting than the sex bits. I, that was like, oh, a Celine dress. Oh, and she got a handbag. Yeah. Like, I quite liked that. That was sort of like, you know, we didn't, wasn't so keen on the actual porn, but the rich person porn. I was like, oh, the shopping porn. Yeah. I mean, yeah. oh, all right. Sh- I liked that bit. The shopping porn and then those little, obviously I think the author must have spent some time in these places because the whole, there's a lot of detail about the food they ate, but they never actually ate it. And it was always very, very expensive food but then it was untouched like she'd often say left untouched you know and um, you had those the lists of the clothes and the lists of the food and everything was extravagant and those Italian ports that they kept visiting each one sort of more opulent than the next yeah Mm. do you find it interesting that Judith as a character is never described physically oh I found that yeah I found that we knew exactly what she was wearing but we only could get a sense of what she looked like through what other people's reactions were to her. Like they bet that she'd drop a line like, yes, I could feel every head, head turn when I walked in the room kind of thing, you know. Or she knew her power and she was obviously a very attractive woman because you saw, you heard people react to her and she obviously was very pretty. Look, you know what I'm starting to wonder a little bit about Judith? Because I didn't like her much as a character. And I wonder whether, since we're never given a description of her, I'm like, do you really think she's as hot as she thinks she is? Like, maybe Judith just has a really inflated opinion of herself. And part of the reason that the author's never given us this description is because we're sort of allowing Judith to sort of tell us herself how hot she is. And I'm like... Is every head really turning when you're coming into the room? Because she's clearly got a really solid sense of, like, her own person, how confident she is. So maybe she just thinks she's a little bit more attractive than what she is in real life. I don't know. I think she's attractive. What do you think she looks like? I think she looks like she looks like a lot of those women that I that are out there that are so that beautifully um, dressed and beautifully what's the word I'm looking for when you polished polished mm. and everything was low key it was understated whatever she wore she'd always wear like a cashmere V neck with a pair of you know um, little sort of white. Jeans but now you've flat. gone back to her clothes in yeah, terms of what she looks like. But she's like. an understated that when you're that rich, you don't need to you show off your wealth through everyone just knows that the that's the sort of Gucci whatever this season's Gucci and she herself would constantly judge men and look out for men by he had a Rolex watch from the blah 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 and he had the Gucci yeah. loafers and he and had the blah. And interestingly, I think one of the reasons that she sort of didn't twig to Renault in the first place because she was the one thing that really got her was she was like, oh, he's not wearing he he couldn't be he couldn't be Italian he couldn't be any of these things that I think he is because he's wearing those cheap crappy clothes. And then in the he's end, it turns out, yeah, he's slobby and yeah. she really like that's obviously something really ingrained in her and this sort of class mentality that she had because she was like, well, he's wearing a shit shirt with a monogram on it like he couldn't be he's not a threat to me you know she certainly does study wealth the same way she yeah. studied she do- art. That's exa- oh, that's a really good point mm. she's obviously very smart studied at universities you know Oxford or Cambridge I can't remember which one and studied overseas she speaks two languages or three languages English French and Italian and she just looked at people and worked out and she spent all that time in London when she was sort of a little dog's body at the art not gallery art House. House. Um, studying people. You're right. Frankie, the receptionist, who was a little bit 
beefy. She was, you know, studying her and she studied them all and she's obviously just filed everything. Yeah. And then when it was time to, to transform into one of these people that she had contact with all the time, she knew exactly how to do it. Yeah, and you see that moment in her where she sees when she runs into Steve on the coast of somewhere in Europe and plays the game and gets him to ask her out onto the boat and that's where it really starts to gather momentum and yes. take off her new wealthy life. Yes. Um, did you like her as a character, Jackie? Uh, not too much because I couldn't see – and, and I'm somebody who loves unlikable female characters. I really do. I really get something out of them usually when I read a book. So it wasn't about her unlikability. There was no way I saw any glimmers of anything else through her character. And normally when you have an unlikable character for me, I'm learning about something else about the world or about a theme that's close to my heart or something. And when I say that, it's like April Wheeler and Revolutionary Road, who is an unlikable character who who does her own um, termination in the kitchen of a baby, you know, but it's about conformity and about the restrictions placed on her. And, and so you you really learn something or you feel something. And then there's a lot of characters that I really like who are unlikable, but she's not one of them. Well, interestingly, the author has come out and sort of said that the reason that she hasn't given Judith this really elaborate backstory, that she hasn't made any attempts really to justify why she is the way that she is or why she acts the way that she acts is because she made the comparison to James Bond and said, look, when you've got men who are just doing their thing, they're going around and killing people, they're being superheroes, they're confident in themselves, all of that sort of stuff, nobody expects a backstory from those men. They just are. You know, you don't... You don't question James Bond and go, oh, but why? What's his backstory? Whereas as soon as we're confronted with a woman, we go, oh, but why would she do that? You know, and, you know, I guess what the author was sort of saying is we don't need to know this character's backstory to appreciate her or dislike her, as the case may be, for what she does. She just is. She just is her own person. There's even actually a scene where Renault is sort of quizzing her about why she has this sort of kinky attitude towards sex and she creates this sob story for him about being sort of sexually molested by, I think it was her mum's boyfriend or something and sort of pretends to cry and then starts laughing and just goes ha 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 no there is no backstory I'm just this way because I like sex and the implication being I also just like murder and you know I thought that was really interesting she didn't seek to justify it yeah but I think it's also interesting that if she said that she then pointed out when she was on the boat with Steve she was scathing well the character was scathing but the author's written it of um, that he it was a man, the type of man who read a Jeffrey Archer novel. So, which is the same kind of thing. They don't give you a lot of backstory and they don't give you a lot of character development. Within the novel, she's scathing of a book like that, like a James Bond book, but mm. then produces a book that doesn't give you a lot of backstory about this character. This is not a character-driven book, guys. This is a plot-driven book. It's great if you're by the beach or, you know, it's a really fast read if you're you're somewhere and you just want to tune out and and get away from it all because Mm. it's not offensive at all like that. You know, it's it's not something you're going to throw across the room or anything like that. No, not at all. I really liked Judith as a character, even the name, Jackie, even (laughs) the name, because she is a woman who just decides she's just unapologetic about who she is, about her body, her desires, her ambitions. She's got a plan. She's squirrelling money away all the time when people think she's having a la-di-da time on a yacht. Like she's got a plan. 
And I respect that. And she doesn't get sucked into lovey-dovey shit. She just wants to get out there and murder people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's it's harmful for us to go as soon as we see a woman who's not playing into that stereotype of, you know, womanhood and, and being weak and being overly sympathetic. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are like a role model for other people. Like it doesn't necessarily mean we need to respect them. She is, you know, she's made up her mind, but I certainly don't agree with how she's made up her mind. Like, that doesn't make me particularly respect or like her. Mm. But she's a very talented woman, yep. Judith. Resourceful. Um, very in a lot resourceful, of different ways. In a lot of different <laughs> ways. So, I mean, I did find her ability to use her mouth to do certain things quite extraordinary. <laughs> and, Mons, can I read out a little scene that's – and it's it's not what anyone thinks, but it's a little tiny scene. Please do. Mate, can you please read it out with the voice of Judith? I'll try my best. But so, it's about – I have to explain what it is because you could get confused by the sheer amazingness of her abilities. Is She manages to undo a man's entire belt with her mouth while she's on her knees. Just with her mouth. Nothing else. Read it. Read okay, it. Okay, here we go. Read it in a posh voice. A posh thriller's I voice. I can't do a posh voice. I can only do my... You're the female James Bond. Come on. His back was to the water. I dropped to my knees and took his belt between my teeth. I began to unfasten it, easing it through the buckle and catching the hook with my tongue, flipping it back. It's a cheap trick, but not difficult, and it has the virtue of arresting the attention. His hands were already in my hair. So for me, flipping an entire belt buckle back with your tongue, kudos. <laughs> that also sounds really painful. I know. It would just get like sort of lodged in there. And imagine get, the metal oh. on your teeth, Judith. Be I'd careful. be cold. It's like a cold ice cream. Just use your hands, Judith. Judith. I know. Like every other woman. Yes. Oh, I think we should pause there and thank our sponsors because we might need a drink after hearing <laughs> that. Uh, the book club sponsors for this series are BWS because they know when you're at book club, it's the perfect time to have a drink. So, Jackie, what would you drink with Maestro the book? I'd have two choices because I think a smart woman always has two choices of wine. Um, I'd have a deep red, like a... A full-bodied cab sav, um, due to the blood, just the blood and gore. Yeah. And then I'd have a light, re- you know, refreshing prosecco due to the sort of on the boat stuff in the European coast. Oh, yeah. Honestly, the whole time I was reading, I just really wanted a Bellini. She kept talking about the best place to get a Bellini in Venice, and I was like, oh, that would just go down so nicely. Oh, just yeah. go down so nicely. I'd have a dry Chardonnay on the yacht. Mons, that'd be lovely. We should have one together one day. Whilst, uh, yeah, just to cool the old tongue down after (laughs) taking a belt belt off. So right now at BWS, if you are a listener of the Book Club podcast, you can get this crazy, crazy good special. Get Graham Norton's own Sauvignon Blanc, half price. Six bottles for $60. That is Half price, $60 off. Head to bws.com.au forward slash Mamma Mia to unlock this very special offer. And go and see BWS for all of your book club wine needs because they're your friendly local and they can help you make the best decision. They could probably match your wine to your book. Thanks, BWS. 
All right, we're almost there, guys. We're almost there. Do we need to talk about the art? I think we do. I think it's really significant in this. I mean, she obviously knew her art, the the author and and Judith stroke Lauren, and mm. I I really enjoyed bits of that and and understanding how the art world worked and the international art world particularly. But there are other bits where I kind of it almost felt like I was listening to a banker talk about his job it's, at a cocktail party. It's so status driven, isn't it? Mm, yeah. There is. Do you think the author researched? the art world in real life. She, that's what she studied. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it sounds like yeah. it's something that she sort of knows really innately. She's obviously got a really good understanding of it. But I have to say there were it, not so much towards the end, but towards the beginning when she was sort of questioning the authenticity of the stubs, there were a couple of pages just sort of chockers full of art talk about, you know, how you tell, you know, when the painting's been here and how it goes through different art houses and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, next. All right. Let's keep this moving along. I did like, though, her reference to the um, artist, the painter that um, really influenced her and made her fall in love with the art world in the beginning when she went on a high school, I think, visit to uh, an Italian art gallery. Yes, Gentileschi. And Gentileschi, Artemisia Gentileschi, which she then later on names her art uh, company company after. And I loved, I actually went and looked her up because she sounded like a really interesting painter, you know, um, in the early 1600s who was never given the credit she was due but was the most talented painter of her time and only in retrospect, as history said, this woman was amazing. So obviously Judith had some kind of connection with this woman who was quite dark in her paintings and passionate and and really subverted how she painted and, and the, in the images she did. So I was very interested by the descriptions of this woman's paintings. And like I said, I actually went away and looked at them because I was a bit fascinated. And just going back to what you said before about the school excursion, that jogged my memory about the whole like theme of how she was bullied at school. And I'm wondering whether you guys think that, like we were talking about before, is that meant to be the backstory that sort of justifies why she's gone down this whole sort of sex murder path? Because I thought it was sort of touched upon that she was really haunted by this bullying, but then there's this great scene where she well, great scene, but when she's killing Leanne and she thinks maybe I should have a flashback to all the times that she taunted me and then she's just like, no, don't care, you know, didn't really affect me at all. So I don't know. I was was sort of not sure whether that affected her. Yeah, I feel like her character was never really sketched out fully for us, but I think that that's because this is a trilogy and the author's got to have somewhere to go in the next two books. Wait, sorry, this is a trilogy? Oh, yeah. Did you not read the last line? Oh, I did. I I I thought, but I thought maybe it was a mistake. I just thought Uh, it was... It was like, I thought it was positivity at its best, optimism. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, There's no. more to come from Judith. But hang on. She's already jumped forward to, you know, in the future. That last bit was when she was already like a successful, yeah. what is it? She's a successful gallerist and she gets into the opening ahead of Rupert. Where are they going to go from well, here? Well, because this is a story about revenge, right? And Rupert, everyone that's done her wrong, she's bloody corked him, right? So Rupert's well, left on many the list. list. It's kind of <laughs> like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, Leanne, the bully at school, she's yeah. dead. Who else? That James is dead, Renault is dead, and also the other one she did was uh, the James faux Irishman um, 
you know, the one who was actually the, the art, the first one she... Oh, yeah, the Cameron With the, ti- with the tongue yeah. and the belt. Well, yeah. she hasn't killed Steve yet. I don't know whether she needs to, well, she, but she might think done about wrong. it. She, he helped nah, her. Nah, but maybe he could in the future. But Leanne, Leanne wasn't like, hadn't done her wrong, wrong. I mean, well, other she than... she had. Perhaps she had, but no, yeah. Not enough to deserve to die, I think but. those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, Judith. Mm. Uh, and poor James, he I mean, he wasn't really murdered. And he didn't really do her wrong. Although well, he, he was did. sort of. I'm pretty sure they gave him an overdose. He was. But that was I mean, a, manslaughter, they, Matt's manslaughter, maybe. I yeah. think. You know, they didn't mean to. But but And he wasn't a particularly. I mean, you know, he wasn't a, partic- a character that you were like, you were rooting for. No, you said. Actually, one of the. I have to say, I'll go back. Both of my most disgusting moments of the book are clearly poo related. But the <laughs> other one was, I just. That moment where he was. They were all in the hotel room together and he just had really bad diarrhea, but he wasn't even bothering to hide it because he was just sort of like, well, I paid for these girls to come on holidays with me. Like, I've sort of already bought them. So then he's just like, oh, I got a bit of the rums. And I was like, oh, <laughs> And then still expects her to suit up in her little crotchless PVC suit and, you know, get him off afterwards. I certainly didn't feel sad when he died, I have to say. He was quite a grotesque character. But then it showed how much, you know, how low would she go to get what she wanted. But then it's it's interesting now we're talking about all this. One of the things that I... Kind of, I liked in it was how she was always healthy. And although she smoked like a frigging trooper towards the end, the running, the swimming, she was always doing something physical. She was always making sure she her body was strong. And mm. I really liked that. I liked that she just sort of didn't sit by a pool and drink all the time. She was like in the morning, she was out there, she was running the pavement. Yeah, well, she was committed. She was like driven, I guess, yeah. to do all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. What's that got to do with Fat James? I just was probably thinking about Fat James and I was thinking about (laughs) Thin Judith. Any man that puts a woman in a PVC... No, I better not say But that. again, <laughs> again, again, is this all that I, I was quite interested in a lot of these sexual fan well obviously that's James's sexual fantasy, but there wasn't a lot of for me, female sexual fantasies enacted out in this book. Like that's I, so I true. didn't kind of go, Oh yeah, that's really that really makes me feel something. I, I, I just felt that that was a very male gaze, the the sex scenes. It was like you know, male porn rather than any kind of female erotic. Yeah, I have to say, I've made the comparison before to Fifty Shades of Grey, but there were scenes in Fifty Shades of Grey where I was like, oh, like, oh, yeah, that, you know, that sort of plays to my own sort of sexual fantasies, whereas there wasn't really a single thing in this book where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's just. Yeah. That's but nothing, I think that really. that was on purpose. I think that that was to show Judith has a complete inability con- to connect with anyone. And when she tries, it just falls really flat. Well, that's exactly right. Well, uh, because at the end, who does she kill? But the only man she's ever been able to have a kind of relationship with, mm. with Renault, and she murders him by a hidden gun and all this stuff that we didn't know was going on. But it, it was all retrospectively fitted. Like she murdered him, and then it was like Miss Marple in the you know living room. She went, "Well, that was really good that yeah. I did X, Y, Z, and two months ago I did Y, and three months ago I did you know." So she sort of told us everything. But we couldn't. I, it wasn't foreshadowed at all. No, that's actually another play off Gone Girl. Although I think Gone Girl did it better. That like unreliable narrator thing, where you think everything's going down one path, you think the characters one thing, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, hang on a second. Like they, the like the narrator has misled you. And I don't know. That didn't jar me so much in Gone Girl. It was more of like a thrilling twist. But in this, I was like, well, hang on a second, Judith. Like I thought we were being frank with one another, and now I find out you've been doing all these things behind my back. It was mm. like, oh, all right. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening to the Book Club podcast. Did you know that Mamma Mia has a whole range of podcasts on things from parenting to pop culture to TV? So if you're looking for something to listen to after the book club finishes, you can always try another one of the shows from our network. Testing one tour. It's a podcast about family life, normal family life, and then maybe not so normal. Why can't you be like other mum? Like, you know, how do you tell your nine-year-old you go into prison? You failed it. Or how do you retire in your 30s and travel around the world with your baby? You nailed it. Can you have a wedding and not invite other people's children? This glorious mess. It's called This Glorious Mess. Subscribe to us in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Book Club Podcast. I hope you've cracked your second packet of Jats by now and you've poured yourself another glass of wine because there is plenty more to talk about. Uh, who was the nicest male in the book? Who's in Judith's corner? You well, know, I mean, she's murdering everyone. Do you think Dave? Yeah, I guess Dave was sticking up for her, but I, I sort of don't get why. Like, we find out at the end that Dave sent her these guns, and I'm like, And he's also why complicit in a murder, because yeah. if you send someone a gun yeah, you know what and write do. on the back of a postcard five metres, meaning, the, you know, you yeah. need to be five metres away to shoot them, he's actually involved in that shoot, in that death, you know, as an accessory before the fact, I would assume. And... There's no reason to why he would help her like that. He was the kindest male character to her, but then they had a falling out because she made him lose his job. So all the male characters to me, again, I don't sort of live in this world where every single male is just either a complete idiot or wants to use you or is a horrible person or blah, blah, blah. And, And they didn't seem to be a male character at all that was anything but sort of a negative male character throughout the book, unless we're talking, sorry, about the young guy she slept with, the university Italian guy, that she sort of went to his home in Lake Como. You know what, just as a side note, what I love to imagine is that guy just reckons he's picked up this girl from the bar and he's like, oh, yeah, like maybe, like you know, I wonder whether I can get her to sleep with me. Bam, she's Mm. taking off his belt with her teeth. She's doing all this stuff. He's probably like, whoa, like hit the jackpot accidentally. I don't know. I feel good for that guy. He had a good night. Nice for him, yeah. Mm. Um, But apart from that, the other males, I mean, I guess Steve was sort of mediocre. He wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't I think Steve would throw you under the boat if he needed to, though. He probably would. What about that old guy that she slept with in the hot tub and he helped her set up like her bank, her first bank account? He was all right. Like he doesn't, yes. he didn't seem to be. He was all right. Know. She used him. She uses everyone. But he knew yeah, that she used she her and he was all like, hmm. I think her relationship with Dave's interesting because they both come from, they're not of the stock yes. in the world that yeah. they're in. And that's why they bond because he's the war veteran with only, you know, half a leg and she's the girl from Liverpool and that's what they bond over. But you're right. When he sends her that gun, that comes out of nowhere. It's very unbelievable. But then this doesn't have to be a believable book. You know, no. it's a thriller. It's a page turner. Mm. It's a real page turner. And then, I mean, the great thing is we've all read it as women and we can all sit here and talk about sex and you know and have a bit of fun yeah. because there were some sex scenes that I kind of went wow you, you know do you think it's problematic though that the idea of being really wanting to take control of your own sex life is somehow linked with being a violent murderer like is anybody else a little bit concerned by if you are brave enough to walk into a sex club and go this is what I want I don't know is the implication of this book that you're also some sort of cold-blooded 
killer or you don't you don't have any morals you can't connect with people i don't know i wish we had a book like 50 shades of gray but where the character was a bit more like judith where she was like hey christian this is what i want in the bedroom like that would be great don't necessarily need the murder in there yeah i I mean there was no loving sex in this obviously and maybe that's because judith isn't a loving person so how do you have loving sex when you're incapable of anything like that any connection or any love and so maybe that was the reason why the sex never even got close to being loving one thing that was interesting that you pointed out jackie was this relationship with steve very, as a very asexual relationship. Of all the male mm. suitors that she has, she never prostitutes herself to Steve. Why do you think that is? I, I found that really, really um, an interesting sort of plot point that I thought that she could be a sociopathic mass murderer, but really we're not going to make her a prostitute because women don't like prostitutes and it's better for them to be this strong in control murderer than a prostitute. There's something that we must still to this day not like about prostitutes, unless it's about the prostitute coming good or the prostitute being reborn or, you know, the metamorphosis of the prostitute. But we can't just have a prostitute who's a prostitute and that's it. Mm-hmm. And and I found that I think people have called it a feminist novel, but it's not a feminist novel if a woman can't if there's only certain things she's allowed to do. Yeah, and, and to but me I mean, do you think that that was really a conscious decision by the author or was that just, you know, because part of the reason she wasn't having sex with Steve was there ended up being that steamy scene with what's his name Yarn off the off the side of the boat. So, I don't know, maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't an, an intentional decision to not make her prostitute herself or do you think it really was? Well, she was, was never demeaned. Judith was never demeaned. A life of a prostitute would be demeaning, you know, no matter how, you know, trumped up it is and how many designer clothes you're wearing and all of that kind of stuff. The real life, day-to-day life, if you were sitting there and, and Steve had decided to be a sexual man with a lot of fantasies and a lot of things he wanted from a woman he was keeping on his boat and buying clothes for, would be really, really probably quite harrowing, quite demeaning. But... I don't think the author wanted her to be demeaned. I don't think the author wanted her to be the one who wasn't in control. And I don't think the author wanted her to be a prostitute for the very reason. And I think she would have had that thought. How far should I go here with Steve and sex with these two when they're on the boat? And she's decided not to do that because she doesn't want her to be a prostitute as such. It's always this thin line where she uses men and, yeah, she might have to give fellatio but you know how do you know it's, it, it's never to the extreme you know what I mean so yeah, I just she was willing to do it though I think every single night when she came back to bed with Steve mm. she was sort of like and I think after a while she worked it out but in those first couple of nights she was sort of like eh, but she know, still didn't do I'm, it she still didn't have to do it that's true you know I mean there's a big difference between being willing to do it and doing it because I don't think the book would have fl- flown as much if the book had on the side of it you know an erotic thriller with a prostitute as the main mm. character, would we have picked it up and bought it? But she's an art dealer. Mm. And it's a very different... Makes us feel better about yeah. it. Yeah. About, about, better about reading mm. it. Okay, so we know it's going to be a trilogy. Where to from here? I don't think this is the last we've seen of Steve. No. I certainly no. don't think it's the last that we've seen. We, we leave the book... Uh, with her at a biennial and running into to Rupert, to her old boss I think, Rupert. Yeah, there might be some more stuff going on. I mean, maybe I guess they could go from here. Um, this fake piece of art isn't the only one that Rupert's pushed. Like she might <gasps> uncover. Because I have to say, the twist of the as it was of the fake painting was a bit. No, I was expecting something like sex uh, slaves. Yeah, something, I, I kind of went oh, a couple of paintings that aren't really by that painter. You know. <laughs> 
when it was like the twist that will make you, you know, yeah. whatever, curl your toes. And I was like, well, what's the twist? What's the twist? What's this terrible, horrible that they've done? And the terrible, horrible was, you know, a few paintings that were a bit dodgy. But I, I think, like you, the, the whole Rupert, um, at the end we meet Rupert and Steve again. So I think they must come into it at yeah. the, at, at later on. But for me, Rupert not to recognise her... Oh, I when she hadn't even changed her bit. hair, and I'm thinking yeah. he's either like he's got serious problems, Rupert. <laughs> he's Rupert's dead. either blind. Yeah. No, I mean, but also this goes back to her as an unreliable narrator. Again, do we know that he didn't recognise her, or is she just so trumped up on her own success and how good she is and how great she looks now and how rich she is that she assumes that he doesn't recognise her? Like, I, I'm not really sure how much I trust Judith at this point. <sighs> Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's safe to say there's going to be more death, sex, and money. Absolutely. Yes, I and think I hope so. they pick it up a little bit on the sex front. Maybe they should take like some reader comments. We'd like to see, you know, we'd like to see Judith get a little bit more involved in some sex that women would like to see. No, why no, should no. she have to? I like that she's unapologetic. I like that she's clinical about it. Uh, that is Judith, the character. Oh, I like that she's unapologetic about it. I just. Don't like that the sex didn't appeal to me, you know. Because yeah. she unapologetically gets moral sex, for example. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Christine. What about that, Judith? <laughs> just, just tip for you. Point. Okay. Any final thoughts, ladies? Would you recommend it? Would you uh, read it again? Would it? Well, is it going to sit proudly on your bedstand? No. I would recommend it with caveats. You know, I, it'd be definitely a book. I would say, look, great if you're if a friend came over and they're holidaying. I'd say, take this and have a read. You know, you'll read it in a day if you're on the beach, and there you go. But that's it's not a book to make you think deeper about anything. No, I think I'd recommend it again with the same caveat to go. Look, it's enjoyable, but it's again. It's nothing that's going to make you take your hair out. It's nothing that's really going to make you think and nothing that's really going to get you excited. But look, like it's yeah, it's a pretty good read, I think. Mm. So if you're into books about jet-setting murderous femme fatales who hop from one European country to another, leaving a trail of dead bodies behind, you might enjoy this one, Maestra by L.S. Hilton. It is ver- I think it's very well written. I think there are some gaps in it, but overall it's a good fun read. And Judith or Lauren or whoever she is, yeah, she's sociopathic, but oh, who isn't? You know, she's got a good head on her shoulders <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Which is not murdering people. Thank you, Jackie Lunn, author and uh, critique. And person. And person. <laughs> and Zoe Rochford, who's a writer at Mamma Mia. It's been great having you in. Thanks for having us, Mom. This has been the Book Club podcast thanks to BWS. There's heaps of other episodes back in the iTunes or the podcast feed with all the other reads that we've done, so make sure you have a look through them. Read away, and then when you're nice and ready, come and join us. Also, you can subscribe to this show in iTunes or your podcast app so that every time we drop a new episode, it'll be there, ready for you, waiting, shiny and new. I'm Monique Bowley. Thank you so much for joining us and for your support of this show. We really, really appreciate all you lovers of books and all you bookworms out there. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye. 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 See you later.